Welcome to Scale Your Business Radio with your hosts, David Finkel and Jeff Hoffman. Hi, this is David Finkel, and I'm joined here today with Jeff Hoffman. And Jeff is my co-author for the book Scale, Seven Proven Principles to Grow Your Business and Get Your Life Back. So we're going to talk right now here, Jeff, about this idea of of scaling not just based on, on just the one pillar of team, but on the three-legged pillar of systems, team, and internal controls. But we'll just start off and talk for a moment there. What, what, what's the danger if we only build our company based on having good people? What, why do we even need systems and internal controls? Why not just hire good people and let them do everything? What's the risk that we run there? Boy, uh, <laughs> you opened a, a very important can of worms there. Uh, and it's because when we think of businesses, uh, and again, David, you and I have worked with thousands of businesses over years, uh, and that's the sort of learnings that we're sharing in this book scale here. And one of the things that we noticed was that a successful business is, in fact, built on a three-pronged stool. And uh, having all three of those things, team systems and controls, when one of them is weak, we simply have seen this stool topple time and again. So in a simple example, having great people uh, is a good idea, but <coughs> excuse me, great people, first of all, great people get great opportunities. You don't always keep them. People come and go, um, and great people need to duplicate themselves and able to scale and, and to be enable your business to scale. So those people need to build teams under them. Without, for example, systems in place, you can't bring in new people. We can't train new people. We can't protect ourselves against the loss of those good people sometimes if they might move on in their lives for other reasons. Good people alone without the systems to support them and enable them to scale their internal groups of people to train new people to ensure consistency of service. The list goes on and on about why step-by-step each of these three, these three uh, legs of the stool between systems, controls, and people depend on each other to build a solid foundation underneath our company. No one of these uh, can outweigh the others, or we have a business that's just not in balance, and it's not, it, it's not scalable unless we spend equal time on all three of these areas. Absolutely. We talk about in Chapter 2, scale, this kind of this overview of what it means to, to actually start building out systems. And I I think one of the things that I observe that when people hear that advice the first time, if they're not careful, they rush off and go, oh, Jeff and David just told me I should create a policies and procedures manual for my company. I'm going to go ahead and step away from the business, you know, 10, 15 hours a week for the next four weeks and write this thing and just get it done. And what they don't realize is when they're done with that, that policies and procedures manual, number one, it's cumbersome. It's not the way people think about using it. Number two, um, it's dated. The moment you've written it, some of the things that you wrote about were actually dated. Um, it doesn't have a, a, a way of refining itself over time. Number three, it's not searchable, so no one's going to be able to do that. And number four, and this is the worst part of it all, is it tends to just be this long accumulation of text. And, I mean, I've seen it with, with some of the clients that originally came to us. I've seen it where they've had a, a 300-page manual to run their business, but I mean, I asked their staff, do, do any of you ever look at this? And the answer is, well, I, I did once upon a time when I first got hired, but, but not really anymore. 
And it, it's, it's interesting how out of date those things are. So the idea of systematizing your business, it's a living, breathing discipline. I know we talked about in Chapter 8 this idea of creating the system for all their systems so that they could have this be something that's updated over time with that. Have you, when you look at businesses and you see that, you, I mean, have you observed a business that you could spot that, wow, the system that they're following, clearly they need to update this and no one's taken the trouble to, to actually share their best knowledge to update the system. It seems like they've, they're, they're perpetuating what once upon a time might have worked, but it, it hasn't stayed current for, for what you see in terms of how the business produces what it does. Do you see that sometimes when you're out there in the world as a consumer? Absolutely. In fact, one of the places that we see that a lot is in the customer service side. Whether you're serving consumers or you're business to business, customers call you and you have contact with them. And there are various ways that you discuss your business or a problem or a problem resolution. And we've seen businesses today that just didn't keep up with the way consumers communicate. Everything from, you know, from mobile devices to social media there are a lot more ways that consumers want to be able to communicate with you. I'm just using this as an example, David. And there are customer service solutions, companies that maybe only have an 800 number and no other way to talk to them. And they tell us, customers are leaving us. And we talk to customers and they say, their customer service system is outdated. I can do everything else on my handheld device, handheld device, or I can communicate with other companies via social media, and these people just aren't keeping up. The other thing that we see a lot, by the way, example that you mentioned is you could have the importance of having great people with those systems, just using one of the examples of the balance between systems, controls, and people, is that you may have a great system in place and in writing and in practice, but as consumers change, as your customers change, you find a situation that just isn't in any of your systems. And you have to have people empowered to say, look, we're encountering a problem with a customer that we've never encountered before. So it's not documented anywhere within this company, but we still have to solve it. Good people are required when the system doesn't have the answer for something to be able to say, look, I just got to figure something out. I'm smart. I know the customers. I understand their lifetime value, and I'll find some way to solve this. Then go back to the system and reflect this new case that we found within the system. So it's a constantly evolving requirement. When I hear you talk about that last one there, I know one of the things we talk about in Chapter, I believe it's 10 or 11, and in, in scale about team, which we're going to be talking about in the next segment coming up here, the final of today's show. And we're going to talk about this idea of team. One key part of that is how you create the internal culture with that team because culture, the, 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 the principles, the values, the, the ways in which your company approaches things is how they deal with novel situations. And that's a really important point that you brought up here. I'll mention one last thing about systems before we talk about controls here. You know, David, uh, my team knows these systems. They've got the process. I mean, it's right here. It's in the six-page written document. says step one, two, three, four, five, but they don't follow it. And my comment to them has always been, if the system works, if the process is accurate, if the recipe to make, to make the meal, so to speak, really does work, then it's the format that's the problem. And I'll, I'll liken it to an example of The Joy of Cooking, which I think everyone says is one of the most, you, you know, most popular all-time cookbooks. Why? I didn't like the joy of cooking because I'm not a great chef. And so there's a lot of assumed knowledge for the, 
for how to make certain recipes. I learned it one day when I made my wife cookies for her birthday. She asked me to do that. So I looked at the recipe and said, you know, put in a cup of half of flour. And I did. And I ruined the cookies. What I learned was you know, I was supposed to <laughs> sift the flour first. I mean, who, who would have thought that you need to work by, by going through a, a sieve first? They didn't say that. And so I would say that sometimes a recipe is best put with pictures. Sometimes a recipe is best with a small video. And the same thing with the systems for the company. We give 22 different formats for it. Pardon me, 32 different formats. But sometimes it should be a flow document. Sometimes it should be a spreadsheet. Sometimes it should be a, 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 a software solution that has a workflow in the software. Sometimes it should be an audio or a video file showing them how to do that or, or a document that has screenshots in it. So make sure people aren't using it that you look at the format layer if the process layer is accurate. Let's talk about a control, Jeff. Could you define for us what, what is a business control? Give us a, a quick snapshot of what a business control is. Well, even before that, David, and by the way, now that you got me thinking of cookies, don't forget my birthday, okay? Um, <laughs> yeah. I'll, make sure, you know, I'll make sure I sift the flour, too, so it's not lumpy, lumpy lemon cookies I make for you, right? <laughs> okay, but I'll probably eat them anyway. Um, you, hit, you brought up a question that sort of precedes the, the implementation of controls or necessitates it. A lot of times we get business owners uh, that have good people and develop good systems, and then they come back some period later and say, I'm not sure if it's working. How do I know if it's working? How do I know if people are using the systems, and how do I know if the systems are the most effective for those people? I'm just not sure that this is being used the way I thought it would be used, and that's where we start a little bit of the discussion of controls. Um, and, you know, controls are sort of lead us as well into this discussion of measurements. Um, controls are important because we have to know. Uh, we have to be able to know that certain sort of fundamental systems in the company are being used the way they were designed, that they are yielding the results that we expected them to use, and we have to be able to measure something to show all that. To in implement any form of continuous improvement requires continuous measurement, which we just can't even start to think of until we have some level of controls in place that are collecting and monitoring the performance of our company. Absolutely, and controls being these specialized systems that could be that dashboard of numbers that we look at or it could be, you know, sometimes it's just embedding the best practice so that the default behavior is the right one, you know, a standardized contract, you know, that, that people use or, or a script that works that, that everyone is using or, or even a, a, a visual control like a checklist. So we're going to come back here in just a moment. We're going to talk, Jeff, about Team Pillar. We're going to talk about how is it that you find and, and empower your team to produce amazing results in today's competitive market for talent. And we'll do that here in just a moment. Uh, I'm David Finkel, and this is Scale Your Business Radio. I'm joined here today by Jeff Hoffman, co-authors of Scale, Seven Proven Principles to Grow Your Business and Get Your Life Back. We'll be coming back to talk about the Team Pillar of your company in just a moment. Thank you for joining us here on WSRadio.com, the worldwide leader in Internet talk. <laughs> 